0: Okay, so we are starting now. Peg base base Hashem. Just to give you a little bit of an idea, of what's going on. Uh, yesterday we started and we talked about the union of who was Eli Melech and um, exactly what happened to Nomi with her two sons, which eventually they died and her husband died, and not in that sequence. And then uh, she was left with her two daughter in laws. She wanted to go back to her to Shro because that's where she came from, and she had, uh, she and her husband and her two sons had left Eretz Yisrael at a time of famine, a time of uh, terrible calamity. They had left, which was a terrible thing, and they were punished for that. That was pretty much what we said yesterday was Elimelech's. Only aver that he did was leaving Eretz Yisrael and his flock at the time of need. And uh, now Nomi wanted to do chuva. She had nothing, basically nothing left, and all her riches was gone, and she wanted to now go back to Eretz Yisrael. She started to make the way back with her two daughter-in-laws, and uh, at that point, her two daughter-in-laws were coming with her and she wanted to basically tell, send them back because they wouldn't get married. She wanted them to build a lifestyle. There's no reason that people would marry them anyway. Being the king from Moyav, people didn't know the halacha that you're allowed. And therefore, she basically tried to persuade them. And we left off saying that Arpa said, yes, no problem. She cried four tears and she got tremendous reward for that. But Rus said, no way, my dear mother-in-law, I'm sticking with you all the way. And there's no question, there's nothing you're going to do to persuade me. Not the way. She was a true balas truva. She wanted to be medabek to the Ravonu Shaloylam. And Nomi saw that, recognized that, and allowed to con- con- continue. And as we mentioned, at the end, they entered into Eretz Yisrael when it was the day and the time that uh, Boyaz, who we're going to explain right now, uh, was basically sitting shiva, Leviathan for his wife, uh, all the Hasana different maforashim say different things, people were very busy, people mentioned and noticed that Naomi was there, and like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, she here she is, and she's, you know, she used to be what she used to be, and now she's basically walking around without shoes, with rags on, and basically no possessions left, which was terrible. So we start peric Perik Beis, and I'm not going to go through all the psukim, because I just feel it's more important for us to go outside on the surface level of what's going on, but just to give us an idea of what's happening. Ola Naomi, um, meida, moida. So here we are, we are introduced to Boyaz. The Megillah over here is introducing, introduced as Boyaz. It's interesting, Boyaz actually comes from, and Rashi also brings it down as well, comes from a strength. He was a very strong man. But Boyaz was actually the god Lador. Boyaz was one of the Gedoyim who was leading the generation, probably the greatest god Lador that he had at that, at that time. <coughs> he was an extremely generous person, extremely nice person, and he was a massive Talmud Chocham. and he was very, very wealthy. So he had, you know, even those who mentioned, he had everything. Boyaz, as what the, the Megillah just told us, was actually related to Normi on both sides. Boyaz was the nephew of Elimelech, in other words, his Boyaz's father and Elimelech were actually brothers. Um, not only that, Nomi was also a cousin of Boaz. Her father and Boaz's father were brothers as well. So they were basically connected from both sides. And not only that, Nomi's husband, Elimelech, had a very good relationship with Boaz as well. They were both Gedolim and the Mahalih Gerdor at that time in Eretz Yisrael. Now, it's interesting, Boaz would not normally be around, but because of the situation, he went out, and that was all Hashkocha process of how the Megillah is telling us what happened of how the Shashkocha made it that the Rabboni Shlom, uh, decreed that boys would come out at this time. Now the truth of the matter is eh, Normi knew that she had a close relative who was a very rich man and was very able to help her and give her food. And he for sure would have done so. But Normi said no way and her daughter in law Ruth said the same thing. We are not taking our handouts. We are going to rely on the Rabboni We are going to put our faith in the Rabboni Shlom. The Amun and Betochen that they had was incredible. Because again... They had Boyaz, who was the god Lado, who was her cousin, on both sides. There's no question he would have helped her out, given her a bit of food, money, place to stay, something. But she decided, and Rus agreed with her, no way, we're not going to do anything whatsoever. And you have to understand as well, just to get the background, Rus was a princess. She was a daughter of Melech Eglon. She was, she was brought up in royalty, in the palace, in the castle. She knew what royalty was. But yet... She wasn't willing to take a handout. She would rather go and beg for her own food and rely on the Reboy Shalolam because she was that close to the revenge, which was tremendous. So basically, this is how the story went. And again, as the Megillah tells us what's going on over here. And again, the Megillah sort of and Prosik for Fatime Rus Hamaiuva El Nomi So basically what went on over here, as the Medrish tells us is that Rus woke up on the first morning. This was the very first morning in Eretz role. And um Russ wakes up and she sees her mother and her all dressed and ready to go out. And she says... Mother, where are you going? What are you doing? Where, what's happening? So normally says, Listen here, I've got to support us. <laughs> I've got to make, I've got to bring in a pronoster. What are you going to eat for breakfast? It's starving. Right? There's nothing for us to eat and we have to go out and, uh, and she starts explaining to her how the Torah says that a poor person is allowed to collect certain things in the field that the people, the owners of the field would leave. Shekher, Leket, all these things and therefore I'm absolutely allowed to go out and I'm going now to collect food. So, um... Rus got up and she said, my dear mother, her mother in law absolutely not, no, under no circumstances are you, nor me, who is the wife of Elimelech, the god of Adorah, the richest man, the powerful man, the leader of Adorah. You are not going out to mavaza yourself, to embarrass yourself and picking up some, some stalks of, you know, of, of wheat and bringing it home. Absolutely not, I'm not going to allow such a humiliation to happen and therefore I am going to do this. Right, Even though again, Rus was a princess. She was not never used to that. She would never agree to that but not to allow her mother-in-law. She said absolutely not. I'm not going to do that and I'm not going to allow you to do that but I want you to give me permission. And that was very important because Rus was not uh, allowing herself to go unless she got permission from her mother-in-law Normie, in order to do this. It was not easy for her mother-in-law to agree. But she begged and begged and eventually she said, yes, you can go. And that's what it is, what, it, what, what's what the prospect tells us over here is happening. Um, so she told her to go. Now, um, very interesting. So in other words, she wanted to know where she can go and collect food from. So before she went out, she sort of assessed the situation because they had to travel in groups. And she wanted to make sure that she would be in a group of normal, decent, upstanding people, not with, you know, low-life people, people that she should be with, because obviously she didn't want to attract any more attention. She was a very beautiful woman. So she made sure that the group that she walked with was a very, very respectful group of, you know, normal people. And then she went. And um, she was basically put her hands in the Rabonish She said, Rabonish room, I have no idea where I'm going, no idea what I'm doing. I'm leaving it to you. And uh, she was just confident that the Rabonisham would basically provide for all of her needs. That's what happened. In fact, the Megillah tells us, the Malbum says it over here, she didn't have to go very far. Right outside the city gates, immediately right there, she saw a field, which... Eventually, she found out, belonged to Boyaz, the god hador who owned a tremendous amount of field. And in fact, what's interesting, the Medrash Lekech Toiv brings down that the Rabboni specifically sent her to Boyaz's field because eventually, as we're going to say, she married Boyaz and he Shalom didn't want Rus to always have these memories of picking wheat in some, some stranger's field. Rather, let her remember picking in her own field that she actually eventually owned. And that's why the Ashkocha Protash says the Malbim, and there's a lot going on over here, we can't even get to everything. That the Rabbinishram, in fact, there was a Malach, that uh, says the Medrash, that, that guided her, Dafka, to that field, that so she shouldn't be embarrassed over there. And this was the Rabbinishram planting the seeds for Malchus based David to guide her to a field that eventually belonged to her. And she started to gather. Um, some of the wheat that she could uh, generally what people did was they, the people the, the poor people would stand right next to the people who were cutting stand right behind them and as soon as they drop something they would chop it it's like a scramble to get as much as they can she was a very Tznuah woman she was a very beautiful woman But she was a very holy woman, and therefore she said, absolutely not, I'm going to be standing very far away from these cutters. I don't want to attract any unnecessary uh, attention, and she didn't want to definitely get close to any men whatsoever. Uh, While, and this is a famous one, while the other people, uh, in order to crouch down into the field, would lift up their skirts in order to go down, she didn't compromise anything whatsoever. And she didn't, as Chazal actually tell us, the Medrash, she never even revealed a finger. Not one finger was even revealed, which was very hard for her. But she wanted to make sure she didn't attract any attention. And she made sure when she when she bent down, to do it in a way that her garments would actually cover herself as she bent down, to make sure. Obviously, as the Medrash tells us in Rus Rabah, there was no conversation. She never schmoozed with any of the guys there, which was unlike the other people that were schmoozing conversations with all the other people over there. She did not do that. Um, she, she, you know, she did it in a very, very, in a way that was basically our pi She only took one or two, which is the halacha. She didn't take three. She, mamash, kept to the halachas of, of, of collecting, unlike all the other cutters, didn't do that. Now, interesting. the boyas mi beis lechem. You have to understand. Just, Just take it in for a moment. Boyaz is the god hadar, Right, if theoretically he owned some fields or some property in Bnei is not going to check on the property. It's not happening. Boyaz was the god hadar. Remember, the man he got with the generation. And here he is in the field checking on all the workers. Never happened before. Remember, is the hashkoch of Boyaz walking in at this time when Rus is there is something that never happened before. But the rabbinical enemy is again planting the seeds to something that happened. Now, the reason, the nat- natural reason, I guess you could say, why he was doing this was because... Um, his, wife, you know, he just finished shiva, and he wanted to oversee what was going on over there because he hadn't been to see it for a while. But obviously, it's Ashkachel protest that was leaving, that was leading him in into over there. And in fact, what's interesting, which most people don't even know, right? What happened? Uh, Do you know that this is the makor? This is the Makar, right here in Rus, of how we are allowed to say Shalom, we're allowed to say Hashem's name by greeting someone. The Makar is right here in Rus, people didn't know it beforehand, this is the Makar, Baya has taught us that you're allowed to actually mention the I'm name, the G'mon Brachas talks about this from Analfa, Manalfa, that goes through uh, that Inyan. Now, after um, exchanging, you know, they, were, they, were, they greeted each other, whatever it is. He noticed this woman that was extremely tsunua, Not only tsenua, he was she was doing things in the way that was very interesting. The way she collected everything, the way she did it patiently. She stood away from everyone else. She did so many things over there that were very unusual. And he wanted to find out who is this girl. And he turned to his, <coughs> his deputy, his chief in command. And he said, can you tell me something? Who is this woman? Whose daughter is she? Is she married or not? Right. So the, the, the Mephoshim explained that he couldn't ask her directly because then everyone would say, like, oh, I guess you're interested in her. He couldn't do that. It wasn't right. He was the God Lador. Who is this woman in the field? So he asked um, uh, his chief in command to find out a little bit about this woman, what is going on. Now, there's a major machlokas in the Mephoshim. What the response was, some say that they, people were very worried that, oh my gosh, Boyez wants to marry her. Broyas the God Lador could not marry this simple girl. No way. So they told him a very bad report. They said that no she 's terrible, and she does all sorts of things. Some said very nice things. they spoke beautiful things about her. they praised her. they said all nice things and it goes backwards and forwards within the different referium, explaining exactly did they say it or did they not say it in a nice way or not but whatever it was, Boyer saw something very special about this woman. And his opinion of this woman did not change just because some people gave a bad report about her, right? It doesn't make a difference. And not only that, according to the one that held that she was disgraced, Bios was amazed that here's this woman getting totally disgraced in front of her and not saying a word. She must be a very, very hush uh, of a woman. And uh, basically what happened was he motioned to her and he said that you should remain here. And he started telling her various things. Don't go by the cutters. Keep a distance. Make sure no one you know, uh, is doing something that's not sneers. Don't be scared. Don't worry. I've told everyone to look after you to make sure that you're not harmed, whatever it is. And he said, my dear Rus, you've joined the nation and you've accepted, you know, Kabbalah, Torah, Mitzvahs. And he started to give instructions how to do certain things. And he started to give her Basically, he was planning out her life of spirituality that would elevate Russ to a totally different level. Now, Russ. Hearing this from the Godalhador was chuffed, obviously, um, and at the same time she fell on her face and she says, "No, no, no! You know, uh, you don't obviously know who I am, and I'm just a simple person. Why are you even talking to me?" And Bayaz said, "No, don't worry. I know who you are, and you're absolutely amazing, and whatever it is." And she and she actually did cry because she was worried that maybe someone was from doing something immodest, which is what some people were saying about her. And she was like, "I, I was trying to be so careful, I especially stayed far away. How come people are choshesher be do something immodest?" She started crying, whatever it was and Boyez said no don't worry don't listen to those people there's nothing to be worried about whatsoever it's absolutely fine but she did cover her face because she didn't bother her that the god Door was seeing her crying in that time and Boyers actually gave her a bracha Boaz gave her a bracha, and he said that even though a geiris, a convert, has difficult times, and sometimes times are really, 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 really tough, but be'ezah Hashem, I'm giving you a bracha that the Rabboni Shalom should be with you at all times, and you should be zechut to have Hashem with you in this world and in the next world, and don't worry, in this world you'll be paid back for all of the chesed that you did for your mother nor Naomi By staying with her, you'll be rewarded in this world and the next world, Far greater than you can imagine. Obviously, he's giving a rem as a hint to the offspring that Rus will have, and when she heard these words, she thanked him so much, it was unbelievable, and after Boyaz, basically gave her this bracha, he sent a messenger, to invite her to come and eat, because she should have something to eat, um, and again, they saw the tremendous thing, that she didn't want to join, all the rest of the people, that were gathering, and all the cutters over there, she wanted to sit by her solstice, once again, Boyaz saw, what a tremendous way, how sneers uh, that she was, she was very careful, not to mingle, or do anything in that way, now, um what what happened was um yeah but um yeah okay so basically what happened was he, he told her to come back and then eat some of the bread and dip it into vinegar whatever it was basically there's, uh, there's some hints into what the Mephoshim explaining what's going on behind the scenes in the in the actual Megillah is that when has told Rus to come back what he's basically referring to is that she should come back and give birth to um, Malchus Beistovit which is obviously what happens afterwards now once Rus left So what happened was Boaz turned to all of his people and he said, listen... I want you to make sure that you allow this woman to gather whatever she wants to gather. Whatever she wants, let her take. Don't say anything to her. She's allowed to take anything. Be careful how you treat her. She's a princess. That's what, that's what he told her. And all the cutters over there basically were very careful to listen to whatever Boyers told them to do. They specifically left a lot of bundles in the field to allow her to take more than she could regularly or anyone else could regularly take because Boyers had given her a little bit of protection over there. She came back at the end of the day. She came back to her mother-in-law, who was obviously waiting hungrily to to see what her daughter-in-law has picked up from the field. She wasn't expecting that much, because you have to understand, a lot of people were still poor. You know, the business wasn't so great. People were, you know... Gathering lots of things, and therefore she understood. She, you know, she was a stranger. What did she know about the ropes of how to collect grain? So she wasn't expecting too much. She saw her comes back. She sees a tremendous amount of food. She's like, "Where did you get all this from? It's, you, it's not possible that you gathered all of these things. What's going on?" So it's actually very, very interesting. There's another thing as well which I have to mention to you, and that is like this. Um, where is this? Oh, that's right. Um, he gave Boaz gave her. What to eat. Right. He gave her actually a small amount of barley. And as Ghazal tell us. He gave a small amount of barley. Which he was able to hold in two fingers. And she ate it. And she was very full. And she had leftovers. Now what happens is. uh, She comes back to her mother-in-law. She shows what she has and she says, I want to show you, there was a man in the field and he let me take whatever I wanted and not only that, he even helped me and invited me to come and eat and he even let me stay with all the cutters and he says, who was this? And she found out that this was Boyaz. And Nomi knew that this Boyaz was obviously her relative and she says to her, you should know that Boyaz is our relative. It's It's someone that's related to us. Uh, and, that is, and that is very, very important. And in fact, um, what's interesting to note, if I find it now, um, if I find it now in the Psukim, I'm um, not sure if I will, there was something very, very important. He gave her the four grains. And the four grains that he gave her actually um, helped for the future. okay I can't find it at this exact moment of time um, but okay fine that is that um, okay so um, basically that's what happened then. and Nomi gives her daughter-in-law a tremendous bracha for thanking, thanking her and thanking the Rabonius for giving her a tremendous bracha for everything that she has now We're holding now, pretty much, right? This is, we're holding by Peric Gimel, right? This is pretty much where we're holding right now. Again, it's amazing what I've discussed so far was pretty much Peric Base. Go through Peric Base. Like, what? All of that happened right then. Again, it spanned over 10 years. Basically what's going on is uh, Rus' mother law is now going to be introducing the idea of making the Shidduch between her daughter Nor Rus' who was a guy, basically, who did, you know, obviously converted, she was a Goyres, to the Godel Hadar, which is an incredible shidduch too, you know, whenever, you know, when it just teaches us in our own lives, you know, someone suggests you a shidduch, like, what? Are you crazy? Me? Like, come on, Nothing could have been further than Rus and Bayaz. The Godel Hadar with a Goyres. Makes no sense. But our Kuponim, it was suggested, and Norman knew that this was the truth, and this is what would have happened. And we have to understand as well, before we mention this story, you know, we don't understand all, the, all what happened over there. It makes no sense to us. And we, it's also a little bit beyond our, comprehension, beyond our comprehension. But because it's in the Torah, because Chazal telleth to us, we have to understand that. We have to say it according to their madriga, right? We don't understand these things. We can't look at it in our lives, 2020 toshin Pei eyes because it doesn't work. We have to understand it from their eyes. Now, there were three months that Nomi decided she's not going to say anything to Rus about the subject of getting married because she figured that has understood what's going on and Therefore, if Boaz wants to get married, she'll cu- he'll come in and subject the Siddharth himself. Only after the season of harvesting finished and Boaz never came, Normi decided, you know what, I have to do something, right? If Boaz isn't coming here, you're going to go to him. And, um... That was one reason, and there's another reason she waited three months. Is she wanted to prove that Russ was a real gioss and everything she learned she internalized and she kept, and therefore because of that she waited three months to see if she was really uh, very very serious about her conversion, which she did. Three months later, she still was. She realized she was really truth about it. So basically, Normie turns to her daughter and she said, "Listen here." I want to suggest to you a Shidduch. It's a great Shidduch, right? I know you know Boyaz because you've come to go and collect in the field and you know who he is and he's the tzaddik Ador and the God of Ador and I would like to suggest the Shidduch um, even though he's a massive Tamil Chocham he's the Manig Ador he's a wealthy, wealthy person. I guarantee you if you marry him you will have Sholem in this world and in the next world you'll have absolutely no problem whatsoever. You have to remember by the way Boyaz at that time was not a young fellow. He was 80 years old. Right? He didn't even live that long afterwards. He was an 80-year-old man. Incredible 80 years old. And you're much younger than him. And, and most people would be insulted. Like, well, you're an 80-year-old man? Like, come on. But you're Sadacus, You're the mother of future kings. And you are suited together with Boaz, no question whatsoever. Ah, you'll tell me, why would Boaz want to marry me? Right? It's true. A few months ago, if this would have been suggested, no chance. But since he saw who you are and he saw everything about you, there's no question he's definitely going to agree. So basically she told him, and again, we're looking at this from our eyes... Normi says to Ross, this is what you need to do. Tonight, Boyaz is going to go into the threshing field, he's going to thresh the grain. It's generally done at night by the moon, and there's, um, the winds are out in order to do zora in the Gemara in Shabbos Ein Gimel, which is to you know take a pitchfork and put up the, uh, the grain in order to let everything go. Yeah, the wind there, that was the time to do it. So she said, after Boyaz is finished, he's probably not going to go home, because he has to go and guard the, um, the grains that he gathered and that he threshed from Ganovim. So he's going to do that. And also because he's a big Tamul Chacham. And the Tamul Chacham doesn't walk at night. the And therefore he's going to stay in that place. So he's going to stay in the barn. That's where he's going to be. What you have to do is take advantage of that night. And don't worry. He's going to thank the Rebbe Shalom. He's going to get very, very thankful to Hashem. And he's also going to miss his wife. He's also going to want to get married. So under darkness. You're going to put on your Shabbos clothing. You're going to wash yourself. You're going to put... Anointment on, perfume, whatever it was. You're going to go down to the threshing field and you're going to go and wait until Boyas finishes eating and goes to sleep. Make sure you know which bed is Byers's bed. Make sure there's no switching going on with any of the other guys that are over there. It's got to be Byers's bed. Okay? Um, wait till he finishes his meal. Wait till he goes benches, to learns a bit and then he's going to go to sleep. R- make sure right before he goes to sleep you know which bed he's taken. Once he's sleeping, get up stand by the foot of his bed and wait there. More than that, she said, I can't tell you because I don't know what's going to happen. Right, So you can imagine, it's a little bit of an embarrassing situation, but that's what happens. She said, don't worry Russ, you've got unbelievable soyos, it will be incredible, everything will work out for the best, just do as I say, and follow all the steps. And that's exactly what happened, she went down, she put a shower going, she, she looked at boyos, she saw him finishing off his meal, he went to learn a bit, and then he finally went to sleep, and she watched which bed it was. After some time, she waited until he fell asleep, she got up, and... Um, Um, you have to remember as well it was very unusual for Boyas to do this he was the god Lador like what are you drinking and eating and falling asleep isn't it something that the god Lador normally does but again Ashkocha protests that night he does it and the Rabbani Shalom made that Boyas ate a lot went to sleep earlier than normal sleep deeply in order for Rost to do what she did she waited for the moment to arrive she got up very quietly very slowly obviously with a lot of sneers she covered her face she didn't want to be recognized and she sat down waiting by the foot of his bed not doing anything Boyas was sleeping didn't realize um, he woke up at midnight which was his minute to wake up at Khatsois for obviously to learn Torah and he was very frightened because he saw a woman standing right by his bed made no sense, he was very, very, like, very nervous he thought maybe it was a shindala, the shade or something and he said if you're a shindala get out of here and she said no no no, don't worry I'm a human being and I want to become part of your family and Boyez calmed down and said are you married or are you are not married she says no I'm not married he says, Are you Toho or are you Tomei? She says, I'm Toho. You can imagine Chazal tell us over here in the Gemara in Sanhedrin with base that this Nisoyan that Boaz was faced with right now was a similar Nisoyan to Yosef at Sadik was faced in Mitzrayim with Ashes Potiphar. Here there's a girl who's not married, who's pure in front of, her, in front of him. No one's there, it's nighttime. But yet, he always knew, and he always promised himself he's not going to touch any woman unless he marries her. And he found out who she was. He found out the situation, and he said, "I want to do, um, I want to, you know, do everything in the Torah. I want to get married, and everything should be properly." So basically, Boaz comes along and says, "Listen, I'm, I'm terribly sorry to disappoint you, but there's a mitzvah of yibum over here. But however, I can't do it because there is a closer re- relative. There is someone called Toiv, and Toiv is a closer relative to me, uh, to you than me, and therefore." Even though he's allowed to marry another wife because he's married already, he probably won't want to, but he at the end of the day uh, probably won't want to marry you also because you come from Moev. But I have to ask him first because he's a closer relative and I know you didn't have any children. The Mitzvah Yibam is a wonderful Mitzvah, I'd love to do it, but he comes first, and therefore if I ask him and he says no, then I'll do it. So you can imagine that night for the rest of the night, Boyers couldn't sleep, Normie couldn't sleep, nobody could sleep because everyone didn't know what was going on. The next morning, Boyers goes to the Sanhedrin, he was the Roshan of Sanhedrin, he went there. And he started talking to, uh, he started talking to, uh, to Toiv. Um, very, very interesting. Now, this is actually what I was meant to, actually. I'm sorry, I got mixed up. This is the grains that I was referring to. Before he went, Bayaz gave, uh, Rus a present. And that present was, according to some opinions, was six grains. What were these six grains? These were six tzadikim and six brochas that would be born from her. Huh? One was Melech. Cheskiyo, Yeshio, Khananya, Mishol, and Azariah. Daniel and Malach Moshiach. Can you imagine these are the six uh that she had which were in, in, in incredible were absolutely incredible, sometimes it's even more of them, it comes out to be more because there's the brokers that come out, whatever it was. He went out, he went to the base inn and he went out to uh, find out from Toiv whether or not he wanted to marry her and Toiv sat down with Boyers. they sat down to discuss various things and he said, listen here, I want to bring up this idea of getting married because she's a closer relative to you, right? Our relative, Melech, as we know, passed away and we want to uh, bring to give the field and we want to get married and the whole thing, I have to ask you first because you are obviously a closer relative and he said, listen here, I'm not getting married she comes from Moiv and I'm not allowed even though the law is actually you are allowed but he didn't know that and number two I'm married already so therefore there's no reason that I want to marry somebody else and no I don't want to do it therefore Boyer said okay I'm going to now do it myself and he came, came along and that is exactly what happened he did marry they did the mitzvah over there and um, after the, everything was settled as well boyer took 10 people members of the Sanhedrin itself and he requested they should be uh, aides to the Kenyan of not only the field, but also of the marriage as well that they wanted to do, um, to make everyone know that you're allowed to marry someone that comes from Moev, and everyone said yes, they did it, and they had the, all the Zakenim um, did the Birchaz Nesum over there, and they did a tremendous thing, and obviously as we know, he married her with a, with Rus, the Isha Chai, and the Boyez, the Gibor is that what the beginner tells us. And even though the marriage actually didn't actually last that long, uh, because Boyez pretty much passed away straight afterwards, and it seemed that Rus would never be able to have children, but the Rabbein Shalom created a messiah that she did, and nine months later, exactly, she bore a son, and that son, as we know, was called, uh, which actually Nomi and Bruce decided together to call the chain Ovid. Oved which eventually Oved grew up and became the father of Yeshai and Yeshai became the father of Dovida Melech, which is absolutely incredible, and that's, you know, pretty much a good summary of what the Rus is all about, but, uh, you know, we have to discuss, obviously, more about why we do Rus on Shavuos, but just the lessons in the Siyat HaDeshmaia and the Ashkocha Protest and the Betochen in Hashem is so incredibly ingrained in Rus, it's absolutely unbelievable, and uh, I think it's a tremendous lesson, but, Hashem, we'll have to discuss why we do Rus on Shavuos, Hashem.